on today's episode of the investing revolution, we're going to talk about what it takes to be an ethical landlord, why that's important and how being an ethical landlord can actually make you more money. This is The Investing Revolution, a podcast designed to help your real estate investment strategy. On this podcast, we'll teach you the actionable steps to take and pitfalls to avoid so that your real estate investing can thrive. Welcome to The Investing Revolution. I am your host, Jonathan Cook. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about being an ethical landlord. Uh, We've seen a lot of social media and, uh, you know, news articles written about landlords in America and how tenants are fighting back and trying to make a stand to have a a, a more ethical place to rent properties, a place where their landlords aren't just kicking them out and making them live in terrible slum conditions. And to be perfectly honest, that's not an unreasonable request. So I want to dive into what it takes to be an ethical landlord today. Um, and, and it's honestly, it's not all that hard. We'll get into why so many landlords end up becoming slumlords and, and what you can do to prevent becoming one yourself. So being an ethical landlord means that you're able to provide a high quality, clean, safe, maintained living condition for your tenant. When a tenant moves into a house, that is safe, it's clean, it's got all the maintenance done on it, they're going to live a much happier life. They're going to be a better tenant. They're going to keep things more clean. They're going to be able to ultimately make you more money out of your real estate investment, but they're also going to last a lot longer. There's there's a lot of reasons why becoming an ethical landlord is a positive for you and for your cash flow and your investment in general. So let's talk about what it takes to be one. So the first thing that I suggest all real estate investors do is don't over-purchase. I was in a conversation on social media yesterday talking with a a big group of real estate investors, and we were discussing why is it that uh, tenants typically are very frustrated with landlords. Why Why does that pop up on social media so much? Why does everybody sit there and have all these terrible stories of their landlords? And all of those stories that, that you read, like they're not so far um, out of left field that they seem like these tenants are, are asking something unreasonable. Of course, that's, that's not just, oh, I'm going to be late on my payments or, oh, I did some damage here. Oh, I should be able to, uh, you know, do something illegal in this house. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is having a home that they can live in and enjoy that is not actively falling apart. And that is not too much to ask. So the first step to becoming a reasonably ethical landlord is to first not purchase something that you can't afford to maintain. Uh, I, I saw in this group yesterday that someone was trying to make a $500,000 investment cash flow and they spent all of their money on this property. They they took out a huge loan, they put all their money into purchasing a half million dollar investment and their rent was high, but that's that's not even what we're talking about here. What after they purchased the property, they couldn't afford to get the property in completely rent ready condition. They went through 
put carpet down, painted the walls, and that was it. They're like, all right, now it's rent ready. We know in property management that that's not what it takes to make a property rent ready. If the roof is old and damaged and leaking, that's going to cause problems. If the plumbing is 50, 60, 70 years old and has leaks all over the place, that's not being an ethical landlord. That's not rent ready. If you buy a house and you don't have the basic standard livable conditions in it, you're not being an ethical landlord. And the reason why this happens so much is because people get landlocked and stuck in whatever market that they happen to live in or be close to, because most of these people are trying to operate this business by themselves. And then they get frustrated when their tenants want something done in a property that they don't have time to do. They're working full-time jobs. you know, They're a lawyer or a doctor or whatever else they're doing. And they can't take these phone calls at you know, two in the afternoon to go fix a leaky pipe or, you know, someone calls at 3 a.m. and their, you know, kitchen is, you know, full of smoke because their their oven is breaking or something. Those are reasonable requests for a landlord to go and fix. What I've noticed is when you purchase something only in your area because you're scared to lose profit by investing out of state or out of area to a market that is much more affordable for you to be able to own and operate, then oftentimes you end up biting off way more than you can chew. You are supposed to be, as a landlord, providing a living space for someone. Yeah, you're going to be making money off of it. That is the benefit. But when you take that responsibility on of, I am the landlord for this property, then you have certain responsibilities. You have to make sure that this property is a well-maintained property. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going out there and cutting the grass every day. That doesn't mean that you're, you know, bending over and 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 you know, giving up whatever the tenant asks for. Oh, I need, want you to paint this living room, or oh, I want you to do that. That's not what we're talking about here. Aesthetics aside, we're talking about the standard structural integrity and safety of these properties. So when you buy something that is right at the edge of what your finances can afford, you don't have anything left in reserves when an emergency situation comes up. If you've spent a half a million dollars on one real estate investment in Texas, and let's say the summertime comes and it gets 100 degrees outside and the HVAC breaks, those are $6,500, maybe seven grand, kind of depending. And if you don't have those reserves to be able to repair that, you're now providing an inhospitable living environment for that tenant. If it's 100 degrees outside and they don't have HVAC, that's, that's a health concern. If you're buying a property in Seattle for $800,000, a million dollars, whatever it is, and the roof starts to leak. We all know that it's really rainy and wet out in the Pacific Northwest. If you're not able to provide a nice new roof on there and it starts to leak, you're not providing a safe living environment for a tenant. So my suggestions to begin becoming an ethical landlord is first to analyze what type of investment you want to own, what type of investment returns you want to see, and then Look to the markets that you can afford to do that. The Southeast where we are is, is great because it has 
uh, a, a lower cost of living than a lot of these major markets. Uh, we talk about secondary markets quite a bit on, on some of the Facebook groups I'm in. And I was trying to explain how a secondary market is different from a primary market. And then there's tertiary markets. Those are uh, terms that we use in this industry that there are no hard and fast definitions for, but we're talking about um, areas that are not your major you know, city hubs, New York, Seattle, San Francisco. Those are primary markets. LA is a primary market. Uh, then you get to the secondary markets like Atlanta. This is a really good secondary market. Orlando is a secondary market. And there aren't any black and white lines on there that they stay kind of gray. But when we're talking about people that live in these primary markets and they recognize that real estate investment is the safest way to hedge their finances against inflation, and they just buy something near them because, oh, I'm near it. I can own it. I can operate it. I can do all of the things that I need to be a landlord. And they go and purchase something right at the edge of what they can afford. That tends to make them an unethical landlord or a slumlord. When you're not able to have a professional company, if you can't afford a property manager to maintain your property and to keep it in good working condition, then what you're doing is you're purchasing something that is too expensive for you. You are, you are on the edge of your financial capability, and that is always going to run into problems. And let me, let me give you some examples here. When we at Revolution have a tenant that calls at 3 a.m., and explains, oh, we're having an issue with plumbing and it's flooding in the property. I have a 24-hour maintenance service that when that call comes in, whether it's online through like their tenant portal or they actually pick up the phone and call the number, we can dispatch right then and there because we are designed to handle those issues. We have safety measures in place so that no matter what is happening in the property, I can get out there, or well, not me, my team can get out there and find a solution that keeps the property in maintained position. It makes the tenant feel much more appreciated. It makes the whole process of operating the rental investment much more ethical because the tenant has an issue and we can get over there and solve it. Now, that's usually... Um, you know the kind of things that we take care of is in, in those evening timeframes. Those are the kinds that that make really good examples for uh, you know when, what it takes to be a good ethical landlord. You know, answer those calls at three a.m. But one of the other things that we see is when uh, you know a tenant calls and says, "Hey, I'm trying to make this payment. Um, the the internet is not working somehow. I'm trying to get these things done." We are capable of finding solutions for them. Whereas if you the landlord um, are the only ones operating that property and they call you in the middle of your workday, how likely are you going to be to answer that phone to fix whatever problem that they might have? It's, it's not going to be the top of your priority because you have a 40-hour-a-week job or a 60-hour-a-week job or an 80-hour-a-week job, whatever it might, might be the case. You're not going to have time to stop your day and go and fix whatever your tenant's issue is. That's why a property manager is important. It makes you a better landlord, not just because you know you have someone there with all these systems that can make you more money. That's that's a big part of property management is we're able to make you more money. And it's not because just these systems do things that, you know, 
are maximized for efficiency and can get all the time frames turned around. It's also because we are able to make your tenant happier. A happy tenant, a tenant that is um, you know, secure in their living environment, they are a better tenant. We discussed this on the TPPR episode. Uh, a really good tenant is worth their weight in gold. Somebody that's going to stay in your property for five years, seven years, 10 years, maybe, that's going to cut down on your vacancy costs. That's going to cut down on your turn costs. So when you have a tenant that stays for a long period of time, that's going to make you more money. The best way to keep a tenant staying in your property for the longest period of time is to be the best landlord you can possibly be. You don't want to end up on some CNN article about this is how bad my landlord is. This is what they've done to me. This is why landlords in America are evil. That is a narrative that is pretty popular right now. And the best way to not be lumped into that category is honestly, just think about this from if you lived in that property, what would it take for you to live in your, your investment property? All right. It would take you know the floors being done really nicely, easy to clean. If it's uh, LVP, for instance, those are those are much easier floors to clean than than carpet or vinyl. Vinyl peels, it flakes, it it doesn't last as long. Um, if the roof is leaking, you start getting those uh, water spots on the ceiling. Those don't look nice, but then eventually they start leaking. They they can cause other problems. You might get mold. Mold is a major health concern that that in property management has become it's it's a bad word. It's it's almost as bad as saying squatter. It's it's one of those words that you never want to mention in this industry because oh, it has connotations to it. Oh, well, you said it might be mold. So now we're going to move out of the property and you can't hold us to anything. It it, it can cause you way more headaches. And the way to get on top of this, it's preventative maintenance. That's that's the answer to most of these things, is either preventative maintenance or hiring a property management company that will perform preventative maintenance for you. Tenants don't want to be bad tenants. They're not trying to be. Of course, we've all heard stories of people during COVID not paying for months and months and months at a time. Those are not the tenants that we're talking about. Yes, there are bad tenants out there. There are tenants that will move into your property, sign a lease, and never, ever pay a month's rent. The best way to keep yourself from running into that situation is, again, hiring a a seasoned and and talented property management company that can go in there and really do a good job of screening tenants and making sure that the tenant is is a high quality tenant before they put them in the property and then checks and balances throughout the lease like the TPPR. Those, those are good things to have your property manager do for you to make sure that your tenant is in fact good. And then once you have a tenant that is good, you equally have to be a good landlord. So landlord responsibilities are the structure of the house. You've got to maintain the structure of the house. That's the roof. That's the electrical. That's the plumbing. That's the foundation. That's the HVAC. That, that, that is going to include the same kinds of maintenance that you would have for your house that you live in, except for small things like keeping it clean and keeping the yard maintained. That's what we ask the tenants to be responsible for. But the rest of it is up to you. I mean, not utilities, but, but the actual maintenance of the property is up to you. When you have a tenant that has a plumbing issue uh, and, and we get out there and, and we figure out what the issue is, if the tenant is truly responsible for it, we can charge the tenant back for it. That's not, that's not something that, that we're, we're arguing against here. I'm not saying that if a tenant flushes 
you know, Barbies or matchbox cars or, uh, you know, something small down the toilet and they cause an issue. I'm not saying that you should be responsible for that. The investor shouldn't be. That goes back to the tenant. But when a work order comes in that says the toilet is overflowing and they can't use the plunger because the plunger's not working, then you as a landlord need to be responsible for getting a plumber out there to discover what the issue is and make it run, make it operable. Then during that discovery, if we found out that it's the tenant's responsibility of those damage, we charge the tenant back for that. Can that cause problems with with tenants that don't pay? Yeah, of course. But that's going to go back to, well, if you've screened the tenant well, if you had a property manager that that put a really high quality tenant in that property, then they're going to be able to get reimbursed for the damages that the tenant have caused. So ultimately, what we're talking about here, becoming a good ethical landlord is to treat your tenants as if they are family or a friend or somebody that you care about and you want them to live in a safe, comfortable, clean environment. You put down good quality floors. You put in a good quality renovation to the property that that when the tenant moves in, they're not going to walk into a house that, oh, well, now this is flaking. Oh, now this broke. Oh, now this is low quality and it snapped. The tiles are falling off, whatever the case may be. I've seen all of those in in this industry over the last 14 years or so. And all of it comes down to purchasing something within your means. So if you're able to look into a market that that you can afford to buy in, let's say your market is million dollars plus or half a million dollars plus, you can't afford to buy one of those and then maintain it, then you've got to look outside of your market. It's almost always more effective to find something that you can afford to maintain and keep in a high quality shape. It's almost always worth that for you. The equity is going to come. The appreciation is going to come. Most real estate investments should be buy and hold strategies. So these are going to be long-term investments. You are going to eventually have to replace an HVAC and a roof and a water heater. Those are regular maintenance items that you're going to have to fix. You're going to have to repair. And that's okay. If you purchase a property that's within your means to be able to afford to fix those expenses as they come up, then you're not losing any money. You've you've made the plan for it. You know that that's going to work. And when those issues do arise, you take care of them just like that. You take care of them as soon as they pop up so that your tenant appreciates it. Your tenant looks back at you and is like, oh man, my landlord, my property manager, my whatever is great. I'm going to stay in this property for years. Why would I ever want to move out? And it's fine. We're, we're, we're a nation getting to be a nation of renters. I mean, almost you know, the, the number of renters in this country is, is skyrocketing. I don't, I don't know the number today anymore, but over 72 million rental properties in America, that's, that's a quite a large number. If you assume that those properties have at least two renters in them a piece, that's almost half the country, not quite. But, but almost, I mean, we're talking major numbers here. And when all I have seen for months in, in social media, Twitterverse, TikTok, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, are people complaining about landlords? I see that as a major issue with education and knowledge for landlords. It's people that don't know that they can buy outside of their markets. They don't know that they can buy something that they can afford to keep in good condition because that's always the response that I see from the landlord's side. Well, I can't afford to let you 
you know, stay in this property for only what you're paying for rent and then afford to fix all these things when you break them. Guess what? Your tenant probably didn't break your roof. Your tenant probably didn't break your HVAC system. Your tenant probably didn't break your water heater. Maybe they did, but the chances are they probably didn't. These are systems that have a lifespan on them and they have to be repaired and replaced when the time comes. So let's talk about where you can find something that's going to work for you. Um, if you're buying, if, if you can afford a $300,000 home, should you buy a $300,000 investment? Not necessarily. If that's the edge of what you can afford, probably not. If you can keep you know, a couple thousand dollars in reserve every year, you should be able to afford most maintenance items. So purchase something that you can afford the payment. You can afford for it to not necessarily cash flow. You can afford to have a large enough reserve that when these items pop up, you're able to fix them right then. So we all know that roofs have between a 15 to 30 year lifespan, kind of depending on the, the materials that we're talking about here. Uh, so when you purchase your real estate investment property, you need to figure out how old that roof is and then plan accordingly. If you know that your roof is 20 years old, well, it's on its last leg. You need to go ahead and price out replacing that roof. Does it have any leaks? No, not right this minute. Well, then you might not have to replace it today, but you need to know what the cost of replacing that roof is and plan for it in that investment in year one, year two, Go ahead and plan for it. If you purchase a property and the HVAC system is 13, 14 years old, again, it's on its last leg. Go ahead and plan for a $6,500, maybe $7,000 expense in the next year or two when it does go out. If your water heater is 12, 13, 14 years old, same thing. These are regular maintenance items that you've got to be able to repair for these tenants or what you're going to have is a tenant that doesn't get their work orders completed timely and well done. Then they are going to start being mad at the landlord is, is the easiest way to put this, but it's, it's going to make an antagonistic relationship that they're not going to worry so much about making sure that they pay right on the first or on the 31st, the month before when, when they have maintenance issues that maybe if we catch it early, we can make a, a much cheaper repair for it. They're not going to call you at the first sign of repair, because if you haven't shown that you're able to get out there and fix the item quickly, why would they pick up the phone and call? Why would they make that work order? If when a tenant is calling with an issue and you're not fixing those issues, they're not going to continue to call. They're not going to have that open line of communication with you or your property manager because they they will get into that mentality of, well, what's it, what does it matter? I'm going to be moving. My lease is up in three months, four months, five months. I'm not going to stay here after that. I'm going to find a better place to live. And then when they move out, what do you have? You have a turn. You have a vacancy. You're now losing money. Every week that the property is empty, you're losing 2% of your income. So keeping a tenant is one of the best ways to make money in real estate. And how do you keep a tenant? You buy a property that you can afford to be an ethical landlord. Just because the market increases in an area doesn't mean that you have to maximize that rent to the very tip top of the market. Again, that's why we have the TPPR system that bases that rent renewal. Yes, of course, on the market value, but also on the tenant's performance because the best tenants, the, the 10 out of 10 tenants deserve to be treated with respect and they deserve to live in a, in a, great environment that they can afford that they're happy with and they're going to stay with you longer. So that's pretty much it. 
Being an ethical landlord is just doing what you're supposed to do. Don't purchase beyond your means. Purchase in an area that you can afford. And then when you have issues come up, take care of them. And if you can't handle that on your own, that's what a property manager is for. And, and that's it today, guys. That's what I have for you. I hope everyone uh, you know, enjoyed this episode. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe. Come back next week for uh, the next episode. Um, I really appreciate it. Y'all have a great day.